When is the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? Your host is Gina Glenn, who welcomes you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and our special guests and friends from around the world to join in live. Put on a comfortable pair of jammies, pull up a chair, settle in with your favorite refreshment, and prepare to be blessed as Gina welcomes tonight's guest. And now, here's Gina Glenn. Hello and welcome uh, to Mommy Jammies Night. I'm Gina Glenn and I'm the host of Mommy Jammies Night here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. We broadcast live once per month, the second Tuesday of each month at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to start broadcasting some bonus nights. So that's some something new and exciting that we're going to be doing. And you'll, of course, uh, get those downloads if you're on iTunes or Google Play, and you'll get the notice if you're following us on social media. The, um, you can find the replay along with any past Mommy Jammies Nights at mommyjammiesnight.com, along with iTunes, where we love your five-star reviews and feedback there. So thank you. A uh, special thank you tonight to tonight's sponsor, MediaAngels.com. You can follow Media Angels for an exciting announcement about their new membership site. So tonight, our special guest is Jan Vidal. She's also known as the Brain Coach. She podcasts here on the network under Brain Coach Tips. So if you go to Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, the theultimateradioshow.com, You'll find Jan at Brain Coach Tips. Each week, she gives practical brain-building tips that have proven to be life-changing for thousands who've applied the principles to make life and learning easier. So she started her journey in 1992. She has a Ph.D., and she transitioned from a desperate homeschool mom of a struggling learner into a master neurodevelopmentalist. That is a huge word, Jan. But I am so glad you're with us yes. tonight, and I'm excited to learn what that means. And her topic tonight well, is making teaching easier. Well, thank you, Tina, for having me. I definitely will be um, explaining what that word means. It's really very simple. But first, I just wanted to let everybody know just a little bit about me and how I ended up here. First, uh, basically, when I was in high school, I just wanted to be a wife and mother. So that's kind of the direction I wanted to go. So when I went to college, which my dad said, oh, that's what you do after high school. And um, so I was pretty um, obedient and went to college and went into child development and home economics education because I wanted to be a wife and mother. I got a kindergarten endorsement on that top of that just in case I needed to work because I didn't have any intention of doing that but you know how sometimes you make plans and God changes things but he did give me two beautiful girls wish I could show you their pictures right now but um, my firstborn Janae had some pretty severe learning challenges she was delayed from early on and Excuse me. So I was searching, searching, searching all through her life for help for her. And she was um, about 15 when I found the neurodevelopmental approach. Now, this is at, at the time, I don't know if you all have experienced this. I, I feel like you probably have, that when you're just kind of at the end of what you can do, the end of your abilities, your knowledge, your God just kind of sends something your way and that's what happened for me after I'd homeschooled Janae and Alyssa for five years. Alyssa's my second born. She's about three years younger and the neurodevelopmental approach came to me through a church actually that I was visiting and somebody was bold enough to share the information with me and it just changed our lives. So that's some of what I'm going to be sharing here. But it's interesting as you go through life um, how you don't anticipate what's going to be down the road. My, um, I wanted to be a wife and mother, but I didn't think much past that. But it's 
what I'm experiencing now is just the most amazing thing because now I'm a grandmother. And not only am I a grandmother, but we have uh, three, I have three grandchildren, and we are in a, what we term, a multi-generational household. So some of you may be cringing at that, going, oh my goodness, you know, with mother-in-law stuff that's going around. But it is just the most amazing thing. My daughter says, I don't know how I would have done it without you, with these three preschoolers. And I don't know what I would have done without them, too. My oldest daughter, Janae, um, unfortunately for us, went to be home with the Lord three years ago. So that was a really very tough time in our life, obviously. And these these little guys have just filled in such a such a gap for me there. But the the really wonderful thing is I've been able to see this neurodevelopment that I'm going to be sharing with you from the very beginning when I didn't know about that early on when I was raising my children. I I knew some child development, but I didn't really know the extent of what you could do to make life and learning easier when you just go through the right developmental steps. So my granddaughter is, she's the the first one is uh, five. Her name's Kenzie, and then we have a three-year-old, and then 10-month-old Kaylee. So they are just the apple of my eye. I may have to send Gina a picture so that you can see and understand about the grandmother pictures. You'll, you'll understand that someday, but I just hope you have that um, option. Let me get into the goals for tonight. I want to help you to understand the importance of something you may never have heard of, the neurodevelopmental approach in making teaching easier. Now, if you break that word down, neuro is having to do with the brain, and development is the certain developmental steps that we are designed by our maker to go through to make sure that our brain is working the best way possible. So that's really the definition of neurodevelopment. It's how does the brain develop and how can you help it develop better or work better if it's not working so well. And that's what I found out with Janae. It was just amazing the turnaround from the traditional approach with five years of typical homeschooling, private school, public school. We tried it all, every therapist we could think of. But this is really what made the difference. So I want to help you understand about that for your family and then equip you with information that can unlock your child's fullest learning potential. When this is the case, learning is easier, and therefore, if learning is easier, it's going to make teaching easy too. So I wanted to kind of set the stage here for where we currently are in our educational system. It may be why you're actually homeschooling, because things are pretty much in shambles uh, in our public schools. The instructional hours for our teachers in the school days for our children in public school are, are up. They just keep getting longer and longer. The, teaching tr the teacher training, they've, they've upped that, how much they have to go through. And the educational spending is just way high. I mean, it's just double, tripled, and quadrupled over the years. And with all that effort, the sad fact is that the U.S. ranks about 25th in math and science, which is incredible to me. I can't even think of 25 countries that should be ahead of us, you know, what their names are. Not, not only are we ranked that low in the world, but learning challenges and their disabilities are skyrocketing as well. They're saying that the prevalence of autism in the U.S., in U.S. children, has increased by like 120% in 10 years. So it's gone from 1 in every 150 children to 1 in 68. To me, that's kind of an ep epidemic. On top of that, we've got an estimated 32 to 48 million Americans that have some form of dyslexia. 
and the CDC says that 11% of American children ages 4 to 17 have attention disorder. So we're in pretty bad shape. When I found this next thing out, I was really um, shaken to my core, really, um, because the wardens of our prisons say that they estimate the prison beds that they need in 15 years based on the failures of this um, year's third graders. So we've really got a challenge, and I want to applaud each of you for homeschooling. But as you know, it's not always uh, just a walk in the park, a piece of cake. Um, and with things that are happening in our culture, it's actually making it harder for our brains to develop the way they should. So if I were to look out and be able to see your face, which is hard to do when, when I can't, um, I'm used to speaking at homeschool book fairs and that kind of thing where I can where I can see you. But if I took a poll and maybe in the chat room or something, you would want your children to be able to do these things. You would want them to be able to read well and comprehend, be great at math, stay on task, be able to follow directions, and most of all, be independent learners. This is real important when you have a number of children. So that would be our dream, right? Well, this really, those characteristics are from a child that has a really good foundation. It's kind of like a house that's built on a good foundation and all those walls are straight and the foundation is firm and it doesn't move like it does in, in uh, this part of Texas where the doors stick and the windows don't want to open. So the same thing has to happen with our brain. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that's not always easy, and that is to think differently. I'm going to challenge you in some areas and help you to see outside of where you've been thinking before and to just kind of um, do an exercise on this, I want you to um, have this experience. Now, I wish I could show this to you, but you can look this up on the Internet or something when you get through here. I don't know if you know, because I didn't, and I'm sure it's uh, a lot of people didn't know, that in the FedEx logo, there's something hidden. I had never seen it before. There's something that you look at there every time that you see it, but you don't know it's there unless maybe somebody pointed it out to you. Now, what it is, is the, the letters between the, the space, between the E and the X, form a perfect arrow pointing to the right. Now, I had never seen this before. But now, when I look at that FedEx logo, it's like all I can see. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Well, that's kind of how I feel about neurodevelopment. That's how it is for me. When I think of a learning struggle or making learning easier, when any of those things are mentioned, I think, how can neurodevelopment change that? You know, how, what's the cause of that where we could treat the root and make those things better. Now, everybody wants to have the key to unlock their child's learning potential, and oftentimes we go to curriculum to kind of deal with that and try to try to figure that out through the different kinds of curriculum. But the way I'm going to ask you to think differently is that you've got to look at the brain, not necessarily at the curriculum. How is the brain developed and how can you make it work better? For the brain to change in its function and get more efficient, it needs input. And that's what you do, you know, when you are working with your child putting information in. But it's not just any input that it needs. It needs specific input. Now, oftentimes our curriculum are built around the um, 
output. And we really need to think about input versus output because they're expecting those blanks to be filled in and those answers to be given and all of that to happen quickly. But just think about this. If you were asking your child to play Mozart, you would give them some piano lessons before you got there. You would have to give them input about the keys and the notes and the staffs and all the, all the different kinds of notes. All those things have to be inputted before they can output well there. Now, one of the keys to, well, we actually have three keys to inputting information. So to make teaching easier, you make learning easier. And that's through more input. What I recommend is that you use these three things. Frequency, which means how many times a child sees or hears or experiences something. Intensity, and that's how strong that information comes in. And then duration. Duration has two different parts. It's like um, short periods of time are better and then over time. This makes a huge difference. Now part of the free gift that you um, have through Little Giant Steps that um, is our company is the information from a veteran teacher and her experience when she added the neurodevelopmental approach to her classroom. It, it, she changed her technique to include this frequency, intensity, and duration, and added some neurodevelopmental activities in there, and it just made all the difference. And she's been teaching first grade for 17 years. So her information is in that free gift. I hope that you will download that. Now let's talk about this foundation, because if you input information and um, activities to the brain, it will actually change and it will help build that foundation. The first part of the foundation that I want to make you aware of is brain organization. This is has to do with your movements and it also has to do with organization of everything, your thoughts, your papers, all of those kinds of things. So if you have a child, you're just constantly saying, you know, get organized, put these things in a one place or their room is just a disaster or something like that. It could be that you're expecting organized behavior from a disorganized brain. And once you change the organization of the brain, then all of that is easier for them. Now, I can't really go into all of this, the many facets of this um, too much tonight because we only have this short amount of time. But like Gina was saying, I've done many podcasts. And so I'm going to refer to those podcasts along the way so that you can get specific information that you need from, from those. And so brain organization is in uh, podcast number 29 where it's talking about when does homeschool really begin. And we talk about how the brain is developed from a very young child on their stomach, bringing in sensory information, then organizing that information to just start moving in a cross pattern. So first, they're supposed to crawl on their stomach in an army crawl kind of fashion, and then getting up, working on the next highest part of the brain, which is the midbrain, that's the creeping, and then walking, of course, is next. Now, most of you are probably saying, my child is way past this. But the good news is that even if the child missed some stages, and even my grandchildren, one of them missed the crawl, that she just got up on her hands and knees and started creeping on her hands and knees at five months. But we went back and got that when she was about two, giving her more experience with that to organize that part of the brain. So it can be developed at any age. Now, I'm going to give you a tip to make teaching easier right here because when you see your child, um, if it, a lot of times this happens when you're going too long in a session 
and they you just look at them and you know, you know their eyes are glazed over and you know nothing much is getting in right at that moment it would be great if you just stood up and said all right let's take a cross pattern break and for 2 minutes you do cross pattern movement now what do i mean by that it's i mean taking your hand and moving it across the midline to the opposite knee you probably have um, had that experience or heard about cross marching this is one way to do it the other is to just do some creeping on their hands and knees now they may think they're um, a little old for that but it will really help organize their brain if you do that the very best thing is to do some army crawling for a couple of minutes then when you bring them back you will see a new gleam in their eye a new that it just helps them get into the dominant hemisphere of their brain so that they can really um, pay attention to what you're trying to talk with them about and study all right so now we're going to look at those some of those cultural practices that I was talking about that seem to be robbing our children of their full potential for academics and making learning kind of challenging and teaching even harder because you're having to move through this inefficiencies in the brain a lot of you have this sense about this one uh, already it's the screen time the we just have so many screens that we're doing all these things visual 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 and we're not developing other areas uh, of our brain because we're spending so much time on the screen then we have all these gadgets for our infants to be in to keep them off the floor to keep them from going through those steps that I was just talking about that are just so fundamental for the preparation for life it's really like that foundation of the house that I was talking about then the activities that you are that we're doing instead of talking to each other oftentimes we're finding ourselves so busy or running through the drive-through grabbing some dinner throwing it over the back seat and on our way to soccer or whatever the activity is and the children are watching a video while we're going what I want to encourage you is help develop their auditory processing by talking to them and you will make life a whole lot easier for yourself and for them now I was really prompted several years ago to create something that would make sure that people understood and knew these foundational skills and would take them through all of these areas so I created something called early learning foundations that actually will make your teaching easier the level one is for three to four year olds and so it's going to have these brain organization activities that they do it's going to have auditory and visual short-term memory activities so that when they get to needing their phonics and those kind of things that that's just going to be easy for them so if you have a preschooler that says you know where's my school and you are kind of like are you kidding me um, I've got all these other kids to take care of it's not even your turn um, if you take that frequency intensity and duration and take a couple of minutes here and a couple of minutes there and do some of these activities it'll fulfill their desire to be in school like the others and it will really make things easier for you later when they get into formal school let me just illustrate this a little bit here um, let me ask you would it make teaching easier if a child could physically use their writing utensils well instead of you saying hold your pencil right hold your pencil right and if they were just prepared to do that that happened with Joanna her family was um, very they didn't really understand what was going on with her because 
she didn't seem to be able to even feel her hand. She would go to get eggs out of the refrigerator, and they would be on the floor more than they're on the counter when she was bringing them to her her mom. And, of course, that affected her ability to hold a pencil and all of those kinds of things. Well, there's something called plasticity, neuroplasticity. That means that the brain changes when it gets input. So when you stimulate the brain, those connections are made, and then she's got function. So that happened with Joanna where she actually said to her um, neurodevelopmentalist, she said, how did you know I couldn't feel my hands? It was pretty obvious in her function that she couldn't. But over time, with the stimulation, she could do that. Now, neuroplasticity, that's a long word, and um, it's, it's in podcast number 19. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, how you can stimulate the brain so that it can work better, then check into that. All right, time is flying so fast. I'm going to go on to um, receiving information. So brain organization is the first level of the foundation. Then the brain has to get the information to come in through the touch, taste, smell, hearing, and visual. If there's a distortion there, then it makes it very challenging for that information to come in. If there's visual issues, they might skip lines or small words, and you're confused because it's just a small word. Why didn't they get that word? But if they're not bringing the information in right, then they can't help it. This, If they had these visual issues, they might just avoid doing visual things, and maybe their eyes don't work together, and so they're just going to avoid that kind of thing. So for all of these sensory things, I did three different podcasts. So 20, 21, and 22 are going to go through distortions here and give you things that you can do to change that with the input to the brain so that that function is better for your child. Now, this is, remember, I just, I can't see your faces, but I ask you to think differently, and here's a big place that I'm asking you to think differently. When you're bringing in information, some information is better coming in visually, and some is better auditory, and some is better tactile. And there's certain things that need to come in that way. Now, this, to me, blows the learning styles, philosophy, just all to pieces because if you are under the impression that you need to look for your child's learning style and then teach only to that, you're teaching to a strength, but let's say they need to learn about a sunrise. Well, they can't do that tactily or auditorily. They have to bring that information in visually. And in our estimation, the math process of like, what is multi-digit multiplication? What is division? That is a visual kind of skill, and it needs to be brought in visually. So if you have a tactile learner, that's going to be very challenging. To make learning easier for math operations is if you just use the very fewest words you can and do the operation for them. Let them see what's happening. That would really make things easier. And then math facts, that is where the information is coming in um, auditorily. It's basically you see a math fact, 6 plus 2, and you hear 8 oftentimes in your, in your head. You, you hear it auditorily, and so you want to bring it in that way. Now, if you want to know more about this, hopefully you will want to explore this because you want to broaden and make all of the areas that your child is bringing in information working well instead of just pigeonholing it. So look at podcast number eight for that, and it will really make learning easier if you do that. Let me just give you an example. How many of you use a flashcard? And typically that flashcard is something like four plus five. 
and that's all that's on the flashcard. Now, our society has decided, you know, it's no fault of yours that you're using that flashcard because that's the way they're sold. That's the way people tell you to do it. But it would really make it a whole lot easier if the answer was there. Otherwise, it's a test, and nobody likes to be tested every day. So for some reason, we feel like we hold up these flashcards and we think we're drilling and we're um, working on math facts, but really we're testing. And if your child is having trouble with math facts, which I believe is the cornerstone of mathematics, use the frequency, intensity, and duration, and even consider using something like Rapid Recall. This is a program where they see, hear, say, and write five math facts 14 times a day, and it only takes six minutes. You've got a minute here, a minute there, two minutes here, two minutes there, and you do that for five days, and it's solid. And then think about how teaching uh, multiplication or division is going to be when they have to use all those different operations of subtraction and multiplication and dividing. They have to use all that. If they know their math facts, how much easier that's going to be. You might ask yourself this question. Why can't my child follow directions? Why can't he remember to do his chores? You might even wonder if it's rebellion. But I'm thinking it may be processing. Our whole society is suffering from low auditory processing. Now, we have both auditory and visual processing, but the auditory affects everything. So I think that knowing this one piece, and this is going to be in your free gift as well, a way to test your child for auditory processing so that you know where they're functioning. And then a lot of things are going to make sense to you and make your household a whole lot easier because you're going to understand why maybe their behavior is not age appropriate. You know, they're acting like a younger child. Or they can't remember what they've read or what they've heard. And, oh, following directions is just a disaster. You ask them to do this, this, and this, and they run off and then they come back and maybe one of those things is done and the rest of it is just the blur and you're pretty upset because they're not following those directions. Conceptual thinking, seeing the big picture, this is huge for their overall functional ability. And then conversational language. <laughs> if a child interrupts you and says, Mom, I have, to, I have to tell you right now or I'll forget, this is because their processing isn't working well. Attending or staying on task, this is huge. Well, I worked with one young lady that got to superior function, and at 12 years old, I can't, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but she was able to work for me and interact with parents and children and take care of scheduling and all kinds of things that, you know, typically a 12-year-old would not be able to do. How easy would it be to teach someone like that, that just picks up information like radar. Here's another thing that can help you really make um, teaching easier is when their processing is at least a five working on six, and it's going to tell you this in the instructions on what what you're going to receive, but they can handle phonics well if their processing is up. So if your child's struggling with reading, it may be because their processing is so low, they can't hold those auditory pieces of phonics together long enough to get the word out. Now, I'm going to see if maybe Gina can put this on your notes so that you can go back and look at them. But you may have seen this study that went around on the Internet. And all the words are misspelled in this. It says, according to an English university study, the order of letters in a word doesn't matter. The only thing that's important is that the first and last letter of every word is in the correct position. The rest can be jumbled, and one is still able to read the text without difficulty. And difficulty here is spelled D-C-L-F-T-F-U-I-I-Y. So totally jumbled around. 
Now, why is that, that the brain can do that? It's pretty miraculous, really. But it's because I didn't read any of that phonetically. I read it all by sight. Once we know a word, we never read it by phonics any, anymore, or that would be very slow. Now, don't get me wrong. I love phonics. It's wonderful. It's fabulous way to teach reading if your processing is good, but if it's not, it makes teaching very challenging. So I want to refer you, if you, if this is an issue that you're having, to podcast number 17 where it's talking about making reading easier and a technique called echo reading. And then, of course, you're going to find out with this test that you're getting this free gift that's part of it is find out where your child is in processing and then use that frequency, intensity, and duration to twice a day for two minutes work on that skill and just bring them up and it will be fabulous. In the meantime, there's other ways that you can work on reading and it'll go into that in that podcast about making reading easier. So one thing I wanted to tell you about the free gift is it's a download and it's it's a, a, quite a few number of pages, and so it may take a little while to load. So just be patient with that. If you have a younger child that's younger than three, you can go on to the Little Giant Steps web store and um, order that free test kit for your younger child. <clears throat> and you're going to get the tips from that um, veteran teacher that's going to be in there. And if you want to know more about, just read more about auditory processing, you can go to littlegiantsteps.com and forward slash auditory, then dash processing. And we've got articles and all kinds of things there. Of course, visual processing is important as well, but um, you're, we've got a free test kit for that. You can check with that. And, and raise that ability as well. It just doesn't affect the whole person as much as auditory. So that's why I try to get that information out there. Now, one thing that often people come to tell me about is um, they, they ask questions like, why does my child know something one day and not the next? Have you ever had that experience? You know, you're just celebrating. They finally know it. You're so excited. And then the next day, you get the book out, you open it up, and they just look at you like, are you going to teach me about this? I mean, it's like they've never seen it before. It's so frustrating for you. And if you say to them, you knew this yesterday, or yeah, you know this, sometimes they get kind of low self-esteem because mom's saying I should know this, but I don't really know it. Well, the... Other symptoms like this or why does it take him so long to do everything or why can't he remember things for a test? Well, you know, when they're under pressure, like speed drills and things like that, they just can't remember anything. Well, this is, in my experience, from something called mixed dominance. Mixed dominance is where maybe you're right-handed but you're using the opposite eye or ear or both or to the highest extreme, they're using both hands. That's called mixed dominance. And it's just like um, a file cabinet that is not organized. You just throw things in there, and it's really hard to get information out of there. The symptoms of this you might recognize as emotions just being on high. You just think it's not that big a deal, and they're just very emotional over it. They might not think very logically or have analytical thought. They could be reversing numbers or letters. Could be even causing some things like stuttering and stammering. And like I said, when they're under pressure, they just don't have access to what they know. So next dominance is in podcast number 23. But you knew that yesterday. That's the name of that podcast. One thing that can make teaching easier for math, obviously, is if they know their math facts. And uh, also, if you take just a little bit of time to do some of their math for them. And I don't really have time to go into this. It's in Podcast 18. 
I hate to keep referring to all these, but that, that good information for these specific areas that we might be targeting here for you is available to you as, as you go back and listen. So podcast 18 talks about how to do that 50% instruction where you do a problem, they do a problem, you do a problem, they do a problem. And it really works so well when you use that frequency, intensity, and duration with that and don't make their mess long periods of time and try not to let them make a mistake because then they have to see it 20 more times correct. So they might as well see it correct first and then make great strides. In that resource that you're getting for the free kit, uh, it describes this as well. In the million-dollar keys that this teacher wrote, she's referencing this. So, so you'll have that information to look at. Well, this time I have already gone over time, and it is just flown by. I'm hoping that you have gotten some good information here about resources, how to look for things, how to think differently about the situation that you're dealing with, and how to make teaching easier by having a child's organized brain, because that equals organized behavior, which makes teaching and learning easier. <clears throat> so to unlock your child's fullest potential, you want to, I believe, the neurodevelopmental approach is the thing to do it with. And we've got resources. There's a neurodevelopmental DVD that will help you understand about that. And all those podcasts, I think I'm on number 38 this, this week. So there's lots of information there for you to glean from. I just encourage you to find out more about this life-changing information. And thank you, Gina, for inviting me and letting me be here. Oh, you're welcome. I had all kinds of light bulb moments when you were talking. My children are now older. My youngest is 17. But I wish I had known this information when my children were small. Um, and so that makes me have think of a couple questions I'd like to ask. So if that's okay, I can pick your brain for a second. Sure. Um, is there a time, you mentioned plasticity, neuroplasticity, and I wondered, is there a time where that window is kind of gone? Because, I'm, you know, you can see that disorganized behavior even when the child is older, um, even in adults. Yes. And so I'm wondering, I know it's best to catch things when they're young, but can you undo something you've done wrong or incorrectly, or can you help them be, start to become more organized or their practical skills as they get older? That is a great question. I I love that question because the the good news is it is never too late. I mean, we've had adults with dyslexia that had very disorganized brains get totally turned around with this mm -hmm. approach. And here's how you know that that's the case because you know, when I first started this, nobody really knew about plasticity. And uh, now they can prove it on MRIs. But you know that this, it's just a lifelong ability that God's given us because a, a stroke victim can regain function if they have the therapy. And, you know, they, they don't always get back to 100%, but they can, whatever the damaged part of the brain is the healthy part of the brain can build those connections around it and regain function. Absolutely. That's, I just think that's a mess, amazing and a blessing because I'm thinking yeah. things that, um, when you talked about learning styles, which is so such a popular homeschool methodology um, in approaching yes. how to teach your children, because as homeschool moms, you know, we, we try to take common sense and use that as our teach. We're, most of us don't have a teaching degree or any, you know, that sort of thing. We might have other forms of education. But that means that we're coming to it maybe with the way we've been taught and we don't, we wouldn't know this information. I really wish I had had this information. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, and I, it was very good listening to you because it will help me share 
what I learned tonight. Um, so I have, if you have a child that has like, you talked about the visual thing, and I'm thinking, you know, I have one with amblyopia and how she perceives information and how there are these, you know, if you're just teaching to a learning style and you're not thinking about how that input, that what was the input, duration, and there was one more. Hold on, it, I mean, It's frequency, frequency, intensity, and duration. That's the way input needs to be given. Mm-hmm. And like I said, certain information needs to come in visually or, or is better coming in visually. And some information is better coming in auditorily. And with amblyopia, that's a, a, a lazy eye. And we encourage the um, exercises and things to try to get those eyes to work together. We, mm-hmm. That isn't always the case that, that can happen. And that's a real tough one, especially if it's the eye that's on the same side as their dominant hand. Because you want everything mm-hmm. lined up on the same side for that visual information to come in correctly. So there's some things like that, if there's hearing impairment or something like that, that you just have to work around. And you do mm-hmm. have to go with the the learning um, modality that, that can bring in the information the best. But just like tactically, my example was cutting hair. You could hear a lecture on that. You could watch somebody do it. But until you actually get in there and do it yourself tactily, mm-hmm. you're not going to have that information as well as you could. So it's um, I know that just steps on a lot of people's toes and, and blows a lot of people's philosophy, you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, but if you really think about it and, and you see, yes, to cut hair, you have to bring that in tactily. Um, mm-hmm. That's just one example that it starts to make sense. And I used to say you just kind of leave them crippled when you just teach to one um, modality, especially if it's a tactile learner. Mm-hmm. Then that, there's a lot that needs to come in visually and auditorily. And so that's a real challenge mm-hmm. when you just limit them to that. Well, I think every homeschool mom should know this information. Um, just starting, no matter where you're starting out, when you're looking at addressing learning differences, behavioral issues, um, even trying to address, like you talked about, the inundation of screens um, with the way mm-hmm. that with the internet and even learning, the way learning is presented now, um, it, it would be so helpful to have this information in order to know how to to effectively teach you, make it all easier, but also to help your child. And God is a God of order. And when you talked about a disordered um, behavior, a disordered brain, and restoring order, I I loved thinking about how um, God had made that recognizable and what a blessing it is that you were able to bring that to us. So I really appreciate your yeah, coming I'm, tonight. I'm- Doing my best. I'm, <laughs> so I want to just encourage everybody to, um, you know, let your friends know about this because they those podcasts can really be life changing. I had one family that said, "I think you saved my marriage," because this this dad just did not understand this child. He was very disor- um He he was um, not coordinated, and all his brothers mm-hmm. were in all these sports and everything like that. Well, he was the youngest one, and everybody carried him around, and he never went through those steps to organize his brain. And so that was one thing. And then he had a visual issue that made it hard for him to look his dad in the eye, and, of course, that was a huge issue. You know, he thought it was mm-hmm. a discipline thing. And then he, I mean, the mom said he's, she, his, this dad is on him all the time. She said it was bordering on abuse in my opinion and she said I was just about to leave with this boy <laughs> mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. when we yeah I mean it, it really helps you to see your child differently and I believe that this this whole shift in away from auditory has caused a lot of these symptoms 
of ADD and ADHD that could be prevented and they can be turned around with this knowledge. So it's very mm-hmm. exciting. It is exciting. I mean, me th- um, when my husband was a small boy, his mom had him, you know, she took him to the doctor a lot because he was so busy and he wouldn't sit still in school and he had a lot of issues like that. And um, later when he went through military training, he found they did some study and they wanted to know what kind of learner they were and how they, you know, for whatever he was in the um, a sonar technician. He ended up being, he was an auditory learner. <laughs> and so you have to wonder, you know, look, thinking about this, what that might mean for the behavior that he was presenting when he was so young, you know, but not that all behavior um, is excusable. I mean, if you're addressing those things, I'm not saying that, but I'm just thinking you would want to filter first and make sure that you're addressing these issues from a neuro, um, that big word. <laughs> Again, neurodevelopment, yes. Neuro. Yes. Okay, yes, well, I'm I, calling it a, the neurodevelopmental approach for life because mm-hmm. all through life, things can be enhanced through this. And if you know anybody that's got a child that's adopted, this is vital for them. It's it's so huge because the part of the brain that was damaged because of the trauma of adoption mm-hmm. and possible abuse and those kind of things can be regenerated and, and really help those children so there's another area i just have lost things well i encourage um, all of our listeners to visit jan's site it's littlegiantsteps.com and you can find her on the ultimate homeschool radio network brain coach tips and i will have the show notes with all the podcasts that she referenced and your download so be sure and visit mommyjammiesnight.com to get um, jan's Um, interview for tonight and I just want to thank you again Jan and um, we'll be talking to to you soon great thanks for having me Gina Mm -hmm. I'm so happy you joined our session of Mommy Jammies Night please drop our guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time and follow up with Gina Glenn on Mommy Jammies Night Facebook page and the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email at gina at mediaangels.com. God's blessing upon you and your family.